The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him from the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To His majesty He can save you from the might Of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm While you go about your daily activities, while you go shopping and while you go to work, you have family events. Something is happening and you cannot stop it. It is a countdown to eternity. Jesus is coming again. This is not uh, fantasy. It's not Fantasia. It's real. It's historic. He is coming. And you can ignore the fact that he is coming for a certain length of time. And then suddenly, what is real will rise up and slap you in the face and say, Get ready. What have you been doing? Look at how you're living. You're not ready for eternity. I was born in 1945. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I was born in 1945 in Denver, Colorado. We were just coming out of the Second World War. Israel was to be returned to its rightful place in history and time. And they were given back by the United Nations their land. There was a time of great enthusiasm and prosperity in America that I grew up in. America had taken the flag of world power from England that had been basically destroyed by the German bombers. They had destroyed their infrastructure. They had destroyed their manufacturing. They had destroyed many, many homes. And in all of that, America took the place of power Now, that was very heady stuff in America as I grew up. I remember the election. I listened eagerly as a little boy to Dwight Eisenhower as he was elected president. And my father said, that's a wonderful decision for America. He will do good things for America and he will not harm America for he loves America. And it was true. Dwight Eisenhower did love America. And he did 
some excellent things for this nation. I remember when John F. Kennedy was elected, it was clear that John F. Kennedy was a Catholic, and many of us who were Protestants were very much opposed to his election. But God used him. I think, in my evaluation, that John F. Kennedy was the last real president of America, a godless man, an immoral man. But he stood for right. And he was summarily murdered in a government plot. because of actions he wanted to take to protect Americans. The history from there forward rapidly went downhill as the corruption became greater and greater. I watched as America was destroyed from the inside. And today we see a nation rotting at its very root. No nation could take America down. Only America could take America down by becoming utterly arrogant and proud and corrupt and intervening in the nations of the world, destroying Iraq, destroying Afghanistan, destroying nation after nation. Remember the Shah of Iran? placed in office by the U.S. government and then taken down by the U.S. government and the radical Islamic terrorist powers moved in and took Iran. When you look at the history of my life in America, it is a history of the government of the United States making incredibly stupid decisions, but they weren't stupid. They were a part of a one-world government plan for the rising up of the beast power of revelation. A countdown was happening. A kill shot was going to be used. And America was to die, to make room for the Antichrist. So I come today with a heart not of doom and gloom. I come with a heart of excessive joy because my Lord and my Savior is on his way. And nothing that America does can stop the coming of Jesus Christ. Nothing that China can do or Russia can do or any other nation the drumbeat of the end has come upon us. If you don't see this, you're blinded by your own ego and your own arrogance. Jesus is coming. I want to read for you two passages of Scripture before we get into the meat of what I want to share with you today. First Peter, 
Let's begin in the fifth chapter. First Peter, the fifth chapter. This is just a short time before the Apostle Peter is crucified. He and his wife were both crucified. He watched as she was first put on the cross. And with words of love and encouragement to be faithful, that soon they would be with Jesus. And then at his request, he was crucified. History tells us upside down because he was not worthy, he said, to be crucified as his Lord had been crucified. But these words must be taken very, very seriously. In First Peter, the fifth chapter, beginning at the end of the fifth verse, you must put on humility because God sets himself against the proud but gives grace to the humble. Consequently, you must be humbled under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the right time, having cast all of your worry upon him because he cares for you. You must be sober. You must be alert. Your accuser, the devil, is walking around as a roaring lion, seeking somebody that he may devour. You must set yourself against him, steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are being endured by your brotherhood in the world. Now the God of all grace, the one having called you into eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after having suffered a little while, he himself will restore you, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the glory and power into the ages of the ages. Amen. And then I want to read for you Second Peter. These are considered to be his last words. I'll begin in the third chapter, verse 10. Second Peter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements being burned up will be destroyed. Both the earth and the works in it will be consumed by fire. Consequently, all these things being destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godly acts, expecting and eagerly desiring the arrival of the day of God, because of which the heavens being on fire will be destroyed, and the elements being burned up are melted? But according to his promise, we expect new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, while expecting these things, you must make every effort to be found by him in peace, spotless, and blameless. In fact, you must regard the patience of our Lord as for salvation even as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom having given to him, wrote to you, 
as also in all his letters, speaking in them concerning these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which things the ignorant and unstable twist, as also the other scriptures, to their own destruction. And that is what is happening today in the modern church. The modern church is twisting beyond even recognition what it means to be a Christian. Next week, we're going to deal with that topic. We're going to look at how the words of the Apostle Paul are being twisted out of context with a whole new meaning applied to them that you cannot overcome your sin, that the old man cannot be destroyed in your heart, that you will always be a sinner. These are lies. That's not what the Apostle Paul taught. I'll show you that next week. You therefore, beloved, knowing beforehand, you must guard yourselves, lest that having been led away by the air of the lawless ones, you may fall from your own steadfastness. No, you must grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Well, we're coming to that day of eternity. It's at the door. We are watching it unfold now, even before our eyes. We are facing a total financial collapse in the entire world. The debt market is spiking Even as I come to speak with you today, the debt market is totally unstable in America. And when the debt market implodes, there will be a crash like no time in history has ever been experienced in the past. God is engineering a total collapse of our bail, of our love of money. Now, some wicked men are again twisting the scriptures to teach prophetically that we're going to enter into a time of great prosperity. No, we are not. We are in the final countdown to eternity. And you are going to see unfold before you scenes that you will not ever be able to forget until you're on the other side. We are going to look at starvation and hunger, pestilence. Already countless numbers of people such as I have never seen happen before in history. The news is full of celebrities who are dying, sports figures who are dropping dead at a young age. Why? They got their kill shot. Some of you are going to rush in to get your flu shots. Don't do it. If you do, you'll die. Many of you. We've come to a point in history where you must trust totally in the word of the Lord. You must know how to pray. A young person called me yesterday 
asking, would I please tell this person what they were to do? They had two jobs, one they hated and one they loved. Should they keep both of them or should they drop one? I said, I can't answer your question. What do you mean you can't answer the question? I said, Jesus knows what he's doing in your heart. So get on your face before God and pray and stay there until you get a very clear answer. This is not a time to be going to man to get an answer, even a pastor. This is the time when you get on your own face before your own God. You confess your sin. You get clean before him. And you wait upon him to answer your questions about what course of action you should take. And take no course of action until you have a very clear word from the Holy Spirit. Oh, but pastor, Jesus doesn't speak to me. Well, he said his sheep know his voice. Are you saying you're not a lamb of God? Are you saying you're so far away from God that you can't hear his voice speak to you? Really? Then get on your face and begin confessing and weeping before him until you are washed and made clean and can hear the voice of the Spirit as Jesus speaks to you. Now, I want to share a part with you today. Yesterday, I walked you through the first four seals of Revelation. These are God-initiated steps to cause Christians worldwide to be utterly earnest in their desire for Jesus to come in glory. Remember, God had to allow the plagues of Egypt to fall upon the children of Israel, the frogs, the, the water turned to blood, the body lice and the and the gnats, he had to allow that to fall upon the children of Israel. Why? So they wouldn't want to remain in Egypt. They would be eager to leave. I hear Christians say, I don't want Jesus to come now. I want to go to college. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want I want my baby to grow up. I want I want to get married. I want to buy a house. Well, that's why these these seals are being opened. To cause you to utterly long for the coming of Jesus Christ. And to cause you to get right with Jesus. To prepare for his coming. Now we have... In the fourth seal, a pale horse, death and Hades follow along with this horse. And authority was given to him over a fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, famine, death, or pestilence, and by the beasts of the earth. In other words, many, many people are soon going to perish. It's a warning. Get ready. 
have your heart centered in Jesus. And then in the sixth seal, we find the kings of the earth, the great men, the military leaders, the rich men, the poor men, everyone is running to hide themselves from the face of the one who's coming. That is Jesus. Heaven splits apart. Everything is shaken out of their place because they do not want to face the one who's sitting upon the throne. They don't want to face the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. And then we have the sealing of the 144,000. 144,000 Jewish people will be sealed by the Holy Spirit as the first fruit to Jesus of the great harvest that will happen among the Jewish people during the years of the tribulation. Now, I want to read for you the beginning of the trumpets. When he opened the seventh seal in chapter 8, there is silence in heaven for about a half hour. I've often wondered why the silence. I believe the silence is there because all of heaven is looking with awe on what God is about to do on the earth. It's terrifying. So he has taken his people to heaven. He came in the clouds of glory. He then sealed 144,000 Jewish people who are the first fruits. Now, did he take the 144,000 to heaven? I don't think so, but I don't know for sure. It's questionable. I have lots of questions. I don't have much understanding, but I'm sharing with you the understanding I do have. Now, as this first trumpet is sounded, there came hail and fire. This is Revelation 8, verse 7. There came hail and fire, having been mingled with blood, and it was thrown to the earth. And the third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Then there comes another trumpet. And a mass like a great mountain burning was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures of the sea having died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. And then a third angel blows his trumpet. And a great star fell out of heaven burning like a torch, and it fell on the third of the rivers and on the springs of water, and the name of the star is called Wormwood. 
And the third of the waters became as wormwood, and many of the people died from the waters because they were made bitter. The fourth angel, trumpets, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that the third of them may be darkened, and the day of the third, a third of it will not give any light, and likewise the night. Now, I want to share something with you. I do not despise the day of the prophet. Dr. Thomas Horn, a renowned pastor, has served many years. Now he is a writer and a television producer for Christian broadcasts. He has had a number of encounters with the Lord and has seen things that he recognized and they came true. I won't go through all of those, but if you want to look more carefully at that, you can order the book, The Wormwood Prophecy, from Charisma House, and you can hear the whole story. But I want to read for you what he recounts. Like usual, I'd gone to bed one evening, April of 2019, not anticipating anything unusual when around two o'clock the next morning, I awoke. And it was in a reality where he could see the heaven above and he could see a horned, fiery serpent hundreds of feet wide plunging past the stars toward earth at an incredible speed. This terrifying monster seemed to be swimming across the sky past the planets as it descended toward the earth. Then suddenly my point of view shifted. I was lifted above the massive object only to realize it was not a dragon after all, but rather a very large rock. And the way it was rolling through space, it caused the light of the sun to glide over its contours, giving it the appearance of something undulating through space like a living thing. The next thing I knew, I was on a tall hill or mountain, somewhere surrounded by thousands of people. We were running, terrified. People were screaming for God to deliver us from the menace barreling through the sky toward the planet. Moments later, I heard a deafening sound. It was as as if the earth was splitting apart, the ground beneath our feet jerking violently, knocking us to the soil where we bounced viciously against the rocks, desperately reaching out for something we could cling on to for stability. Somehow I knew an asteroid had plunged into the Pacific Ocean. Its massive 
form sending a sequence of tsunamis hundreds of feet into the air. As I glanced over my shoulder, I could see an overwhelming wall of water coming up over the hillside behind us. I perceived we would not be able to escape. But then it was as if two very large hands slid under my arms, lifting me high into the sky. Where looking down, I watched in shock as people everywhere were swept away by astonishingly large waves, slamming into coastal terrain as far as I could see. The atmosphere was simultaneously infused with scorched particles of aerosol and vapor as a blistering culmination of Moisture and extreme heat subsequently combined into a series of high-velocity hurricanes, tornadoes, volcanoes, and earthquakes seemed to be going off like fireworks with what were likely some of the 11 deadliest volcanoes on Earth, those of the Cascadia region of the United States, being triggered like dominoes, releasing so much debris into the sky that for about a week darkness covered the heavens worldwide as the entire landscape was pounded by hurricanes and atmospheric annihilation circulating within the jet stream. By By the time days later, when the waters finally settled, stones and storms subsided, and the sky grew clear, much of life on earth was dead. When I awoke, I nearly fell out of bed. Grabbing for pen and paper to record what I had seen, I was unexpectedly interrupted by what seemed like an audible voice. It could have just been in my head, but it seemed spoken to me. The voice uttered a single word, a prophes. Now, I knew there was an ancient Egyptian god of chaos, an enemy of light known by that name. I also knew that NASA had named an asteroid Apophis, but I didn't know any details about it. When I got out of bed and headed for my computer to begin research on this particular space rock, I also did not anticipate that a year-long investigation would ensure that ultimately it would lead me to uncover the evidence of a cover-up by NASA and the European Space Agency and other space organizations involving the likelihood of a purpose impacting the Earth in less than nine years from that date. Impact date, Friday, April 13, 2029. And just so you know, my starting, my startling conclusions are shared by members of the government I spoke with, science experts of the first rank who have written peer-reviewed articles on this matter, astronomers, mathematicians, But the mystery of that revelation has gotten deeper since I wrote Wormwood. Well, I'll stop there. What I am recognizing 
is that in this in this eighth chapter of Revelation, we have the trumpets beginning to sound. And at the first trumpet, there came hail and fire having been mingled with blood. And it was thrown to the earth and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. And the second angel trumpeted and a mass like a great mountain burning was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood, a third of the creatures in the sea having life died and a third of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel trumpeted and a great star fell out of the heavens burning like a torch. That word star is the same word in the Greek that we get for asteroid. Asteroid. Now, is a prophet the asteroid that will strike the earth? I don't know. But I can tell you that Immediately after, we find the sixth seal being opened, and the 144,000 being sealed, and they had to be sealed before the four angels who were free to destroy the earth could begin that work of utter destruction. That immediately after that, Let me read it for you. Revelation 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no man was able to count from among every nation, tribe, and people, and tongues, having stood before the throne and before the Lamb, having been clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, they kept crying out with loud voices, Salvation to our God, the one sitting on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels had stood around the throne and the elders and the four living beings. And they fell down before the throne on their faces and they worshiped God saying, Amen. The blessing and the glory and the wisdom and the thanksgiving and the honor and the power and their might are to our God forever and ever. Amen. And one from among the elders answered saying to me, These, the ones having been clothed with white robes, who are they? And from where did they come? And I said unto him, My Lord, you know. And he said unto me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. And they washed their robes and made them white by means of the blood of the Lamb. Because of this, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. What I know from just reading, and I do not want to interpret Revelation. I want to read it for what it says. I want to listen to it for what it says. And just being able to read it at face value. It is clear 
that many people are going to come out of the great tribulation, the first three and a half years. And that then, as the Antichrist begins to step forward, and and I, I need to say this clearly to you, please. These seals that are being opened and these trumpets that are being blown, this is all God's action. Now, later in Revelation, you begin to read about the devil's action as he causes the beast power to come forward. You begin to read about how Satan brings forth an image to the beast and commands everyone to worship the beast. And you have to have the mark or you cannot buy or sell. That's all a part of what Satan does, not what Jesus is doing. But all of the trumpets, all of the seven seals, all of the thunders, that's all what Jesus is doing to bring about the final glorious victory when this earth will be burned with fire, it will be consumed, it will be destroyed, and God's people will be given a new heaven and a new earth, and Jesus will come and dwell with us on that earth forever. I don't know about you, but sometimes people ask me, Pastor, what's your address? And you know what I answer? My address is Revelation 21. I'm not being foolish. My my place, my home is with Jesus. If you're following Jesus and you have walked away from all sin, if you are clean before him by the precious blood of Jesus, then your home is also with Jesus. So we find Jesus moving in power and releasing upon the earth the destruction, the judgments of God. Now already we're seeing judgments, but not judgments that totally destroy the earth. But after the first three and a half years, of the Great Tribulation. The angels will be released to destroy the earth, to bring God's final judgment upon it. The Lord is so abundantly kind to us. The Lord's heart is so filled with mercy for us. And nothing that you can do, nothing that I can do can stop the step-by-step plan that God has outlined through his son Jesus for the redemption of his people from this earth. It is going to be a bloody mess. It is going to be incredibly difficult and painful, but... He will redeem us. And we are to look up because our redemption is drawing near. 
So when I look at this asteroid that comes blazing out of the sky here in Revelation, in the eighth chapter, if you were to talk to a scientist, he would tell you that the first trumpet will describe what's going to happen when an actual asteroid comes to strike the earth. The second angel trumpets, and that's also what will happen. This is, according to scientific data, an actual description of what will happen when a huge asteroid strikes the earth. My brother, my sister, don't be discouraged. In Jesus Christ, we have the glorious victory over the devil, over the world, and over the flesh. He comes in mighty power. His love is everlasting. And he is coming in mighty power to deliver us from this earth from this wicked, wicked place. Some of you won't understand when I say this, but everywhere I look and everywhere I go, everything seems so crude to me. It seems so, so filthy to me. I want to live in heaven's light, I want to live in heaven's glory. I don't want to live here anymore. This is not my home. I'm watching as my precious country, America, is torn apart. I'm watching as wicked men bring every evil thing, every vile thing, every perverted thing into the public realm where children are being castrated by drugs where children are being abused by our hospitals and by our doctors by our government I mean when I look at what's happening in America my heart weeps how is this possible to happen how can how can the FBI become so utterly evil How can the Department of Justice become so utterly weaponized and politicized that this could happen in America? This is, this is America. Not anymore. This is not the America I grew up in. This is not the America that I was so proud of. It has become a haunt of every evil thing and every wicked thing. And it has caused my heart to long for heaven. It has caused my heart to say, Oh, Jesus, you're the one I love. And you're the one I look for. And you're the one I desire. Don't be discouraged by this word I've spoken today. It is not doom and gloom. It is joy and victory 
because Jesus is coming again. Did you think it was going to be just a cakewalk where suddenly you would be whisked out of here in your sin without any purifying, without any testing, without any washing by the blood of Jesus? Are you kidding me? We're going to all be tested to the full extent that there would be no wickedness found in our hearts, that we would be made clean before Jesus. Jesus is coming again. There's a song that keeps ringing in my heart. Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again, coming again, coming again. Jesus is coming again. What all of the ages have eagerly looked forward to, you have a front row seat to the coming of Jesus Christ. And you have every right to believe from the scriptures that he will carry you through. He will not leave you. He will not desert you. He loves you with an unfeeling love. Now it's up to us to do the work of repenting at the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Do you understand? This is why, from this perspective, that I come to this broadcast and constantly call you into a life of humility and repentance and getting ready for heaven. Because he's at the door, even at the door. Oh, Lord, I pray for every person listening to this broadcast. I pray, Lord, you will work the full work of cleansing in their lives and in their hearts. I pray, Lord, that you will move with great mercy and kindness in the redemption of your people. Lord, thank you. I love you, Lord. Be with my brothers and sisters in whatever situation they find themselves in. But I know you are their deliverer and you will instruct them in the way they should go if they will just get on their face and pray. Lord, thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. I've gotten so many wonderful cards and letters and so many of you have gone online and donated to help us cover uh, this month, September. Thank you. We remain on this radio and on this YouTube only as you stand with us in Jesus. Some of you are giants. Thank you. I thank you. My heart is humbled by your love and your support. You can give by writing to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, 
Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. You can also go online to nationalprayerchapel.com, National Prayer Chapel, one word, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find the internet radio, 24 hour a day. You will also find the address where you can come and worship with us in Woodbridge, Virginia. Our worship begins at 10 o'clock, but really we start praying before that. Just come on in and, and join us. If we're praying, start praying with us. And then at 12, we have a lunch together and afterward a time to fellowship and pray and share. It's informal. I'd love to see you. I'd love to meet you. So please consider coming. And also tomorrow will be a day of prayer. Our Fridays are given the entire hour to open the phone lines for you to call and pray and cry out to God. Please prepare your hearts to pray tomorrow. (laughs) I love you, my dear brother and sister. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.